Teamers Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The podcast where everything is made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> Love that show. Me too. Welcome to episode nine of Two Humorous Nurses, where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chats about all things nursing. Today is a goodie. <laughs> goodie. <laughs> goodie. Uh, we'll be talking about nurses who kill. Dun, dun, dun. We all love a true crime story, and this is particularly fascinating, I think. Super fascinating. Yeah, so we had to talk about nurses who kill their patients because it's just so um, juxtaposed. Is that the right word? It's just just such a contrast between – well, and that's why they get called angels of death. Death. One of actually one of the mercy or something. One of the ladies I'm going to talk about today is called Angel of Death. So we're going to talk about nurses who kill their patients. A couple of little case studies, and then we're going to talk a bit about why nurses kill their patients. About why you know the psychology behind it, that sort of thing. Um, Because murder and like homicide uh, is something that still sort of we don't know a great deal about, like scientifically. And it's so fascinating that psychology. That's why we all love. True crime it's, podcasts, do you know, I, and documentaries. Yeah, and as I was reading this, um, I I was I was researching and I found something that was like, find me one person who has never seen or read or listened to something about a murder, and it's so true because it, it is fascinating mm. to know, you know, and this might be the Harry Potter fan in me, but I feel like it splits your soul. Like if you're going to kill someone, there's something in you that breaks or mm. is broken. Yeah. Yeah, I just it, – it's so fascinating to me. And then looking into this going, why would a nurse mm. bother training, bother going mm, through the rigmarole, <laughs> go through the fucking placement, go through – like The cost. The cost, the yeah, everything. Like why – yeah, and then I was reading as well that um, they say very few nursing killers get into nursing to kill. No. And actually the quote of one of my ladies was, I haven't killed anyone, rather I've always lived to help others. Mm. I'm like, yeah, but that just gave me like just this horrible. You think you're putting them out of their misery? Yeah, <laughs> doesn't mean it's so, right. Yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the psychology behind it, and I have found some really interesting things about why nurses kill their patients. So I want to talk a bit about why <laughs> nurses kill their patients, and um, according to this is oh, this is an article found on Psychology Today. I don't know how like oh, I mean it's written by a PhD professor. Oh yeah, so I'm Good assuming, oh, and she was actually quoted in one of my other articles um so she's written an article saying that some people enter healthcare to help others but then others do it to gain power control or attention yeah and i thought that was so interesting because we think of nurses as like the classic dove personality type caring and kind and yeah. sweet and empathetic and then then there's the peacocks well then that's me kill. i know <laughs> I don't care. It was so funny on night shift last night. I'm reading all this up and um, one of the nurses goes, why are you doing that? And I was like, well, it's not for my own pleasure. Like, I'm not, And they're like, are you a nurse killer? I'm like, no, fuck, what? Why are we talking about this? Anyway, I digress. So, yeah, so then to gain power, control or attention, I thought that's so interesting. Like I got into nursing because I love medical stuff, not because I particularly yeah. feel like I need to care for people. Whereas I know that, that lots of people get into nursing because they really love looking after other yeah. people and helping other people. And it goes with that hero, that hero complex. So, <laughs> so true. Doesn't it? Like, I feel and like if you could I- be present to save all these kids, like the, one of the ladies I'm going to mm. talk about. She was present to save all these kids' yeah, lives. That's because yep. she was trying to kill them. So that's right. And so they, they talk about that there's a few sort of motives behind 
why nurses yeah. kill their patients. But it's like firefighters um, that start fires to be the hero. Oh, dude. You know, like it's that kind of mentality as yep. a firefighter. Why would you want to do that? Yep. As a nurse, why would you want to kill someone? So they say that when doctors kill patients, it's because they feel entitled to kill them. Um, that they they need that control yeah. over life, life and death. And it's like a God complex kind of thing, yep. generally. And then when nurses kill... It's usually for a couple of reasons. The first one could be that they've got this hero syndrome, this hero complex, where they'll attack patients in order to impress their colleagues. And you'll find too that in a lot of those cases, these nurses get nicknames from their colleagues or from patients or whatever. Mm. So there was one in particular, just in this article I was reading, that they named, they got nicknamed Resuscitation Rambo. <laughs> And it was just because he'd been there on so many recesses and oh, they God. were like, oh, look, it's Recess Rambo. And then I thought, fuck, I get called shit magnet. Does that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you're not ki- – yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're not killing people. <laughs> you're not killing yeah. them. No. Well, I'm trying not to. I'm trying, to <laughs> trying not to kill them. <laughs> trying to be the hero. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so, yeah, so that's the hero syndrome. And then um, another reason why somebody might kill is because, well, they use it as an excuse, but I don't think it's really been sort of solidified that some nurses commit mercy killings because yeah. they feel they feel their patient's pain or they feel – but I think it, it's been hard to sort of study because you can't believe – what these killers That's tell right. you because a lot yeah. of the time it's an act. Like I think everyone has been in that position where you wish you could just put that poor patient out of their Absolutely. misery because but they're in pain or they're – Fucking act on it. Yeah. yeah. But there are ways that we – even when we provide end-of-life comfort care with, mm. with palliation and, and morphine, like we have to say to the families, like we have to limit how much we can give like because we can't – give them so much that we depress their respiratory yeah, system exactly right. like we cannot cause that so and it's so a hard fine balance because yeah. you would love to just be able to say no worries give them a big dose so and we'll knock them off yeah yeah but you, but can't, you can't. can't and majority of nurses know that right and wrong and i think Absolutely. that's where it gets blurred with those guys that want to kill they just um they just do it because they think it's right and think they can absolutely i think i just want to add something a little bit just something that's come up recently at work um, just how how nurses have their hands tied when it comes to voluntary assisted dying and how it's not something that we can actually talk about with our patients. And and I um, think that's why we didn't bring it up in the death issue. Yeah. Because we can't. No. And because we, we can't about it. We can't encourage people to do it and we can't give people information. Um, mm. They have to come to that conclusion on their own. And that, you know, people can be yeah. so desperate at the end of that li- at the end of their life or they get a terminal diagnosis yeah. and they say, well, you're not going to make Christmas. And, you know, the, a nurse can't sit there and say, well, you know, that this is accessible. Yeah, um, it's not yeah. like you can just hand them a pamphlet. It's not like you can say, oh, you need to quit smoking here. You want a referral to the quit program. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, you're terminal. Do you want this? Like we can't. We can't bring it up. And I think majority of us have forgotten that that even exists yeah, now because it's thing. not and in I our mind think, frame. I don't think people in the community – even know that it's accessible because it's not something that we and can actually And if you want it, you can ask discuss. us. I can give you a pamphlet, but that's all I can do yeah. and that's all I will Can't do. even talk you I will it. never yeah. – I don't even actually know where to access that info at work, to be honest. I would – I think there's a policy. To, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't – No, off I, the top of I head. wouldn't – I would – I think if someone asked me, I would be like, oh, God. So Let me ring someone. <laughs> Let me pass this on. And, I mean, as a as an oncology nurse, I've never had anyone ask me 
yeah. ever. And I hope that stays that way. Really? If you want to do it, you can do it, but you research that yourself. Yeah, I, I okay. just don't want to be in, having part of that. Like that. No. Yeah. Okay, and I, I am a hundred percent for euthanasia. Oh yeah. I fully support um, yeah, the, I wasn't sure the you voluntary assisted dying. I fully support it. Yeah. And if my family wanted it, I would support them in their yeah. decision for that. Yeah, for sure. But I'm don't as part of my role as a nurse. Oh, it would be really don't complicated. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, digress. <laughs> can you tell me about your first one? Because I'm so excited about your nurse. So this is a story about Janine Jones. She basically had quite a horrible childhood. She was adopted by a nightclub owner and his wife. I thought that was interesting. I don't know why. Yeah. (laughs) She married at 17 to her high school sweetheart. Nice. Um, Had a couple of kids with him. Uh, Where's the bad part here? Yeah. So, (laughs) well, I think she just had it rough. Okay. Being adopted and. Yeah. yeah. And her parents, I don't know what, why, why she was adopted or their parents. And I couldn't really find a huge amount on it. Anyway, she started out as a beautician and then went to nursing school and she became a licensed vocational nurse, which in Australia, the equivalent is an enrolled nurse. Okay. Um, She got her first job at a hospital in San Antonio in 1977, but was asked to resign eight months later after she had quite a disagreement with a doctor. Okay. Um, And then in 78, she got a job at the PICU, which is like pediatric ICU, at a hospital in San Antonio as well. Now, she's an enrolled nurse, so I don't know what that... Scope of, scope of practice is ba- especially back then i guess yep. but anyway she had quite a um reputation as her nursing best friend defended her when she went to trial and okay. described her as being quick-minded excellent teacher uh but everyone else said that she was loud obnoxious overly mm. aggressive and loved a dirty joke oh, <laughs> i don't lovely. know why that was a problem okay. but anyway just inappropriate um, maybe yeah because <laughs> i suppose maybe people might have been a bit more conservative 40 years ago yeah and the kids yeah more too. yeah you're right um, three years into a position, she basically was asked to leave under this huge cloud of suspicion. Uh, there was not a lot talked about it within the hospital, but many nurses had reported her saying that she would often be there when children arrested, healthy children, that you wouldn't expect to have an issue. Mm-hmm. And she would come out and be- and I watched the um, Nurses Who Kill series on mm-hmm. Netflix about her and they they had some actresses portraying it. Sure. And she came out of the curtain and she was like, the nurse, the grumpy nurse was like, what were you doing? And she goes, well, I just saved that child's life. Mm. And they're like, oh, again, you're, you know, like, why were you even there? Mm. And she's like, well, ask that mother. She's grateful that I saved the life. So, again, mm. she wanted that hero yeah. complex. And that recognition of yeah. her service and whatever. So she left but was implicated in like over 10 deaths of children. Mm. Um, seven infants who what was her mode of killing? survived. Nothing happened at the hospital. Like that. She was just asked to leave. They investigated those 10 deaths that she was at and found them to be suspicious. But she got a job. No action was taken by the hospital or authorities over them. And then she got a job with a paediatrician in the town um, who heard all the rumours but discounted them. Right. And said, I Well, because the hospital hadn't done anything about it. That's right. And thought, well, there's obviously no truth to it if nothing's happened and she's still registered. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a new, this paediatrician was opening up a new clinic in a town called Kerrville, which had a small population. It was an aging community, but um, apparently had uh, like summer holiday camps and stuff there. Um, Basically, within a month of her opening, there'd been six children that experienced inexplicable emergencies in the care of Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Shocking. 
One of the doctors at the clinic noticed that the, a bottle of succimethonium, yeah. uh, which is a short-acting paralytic used in general anaesthetic, muscle relaxant, yeah. um, had been punctured and that some was missing. Mm. The only other person that had access to those drugs besides uh, the doctor was Jones. Mm-hmm. So he was convinced that something was going on. Um, and it, when they investigated, they actually found that that bottle had been diluted because she had been taking sucks so, out of it yeah, and right. adding like, sort water of, back yeah. in. Yeah. She, what happened was she ended up being convicted of a murder of a 15-month-old child called Chelsea. Uh, she had injected her with the sucks mm. and she was sentenced to 99 years and she also received 60 years to be served concurrently for the murders of children at that hospital um, using heparin. So she'd been using heparin Shit. for them. So those other children that, that that were investigated, seven other kids were noted to have had like bleeding episodes, like mm. bleeding from IV puncture sites. They'd stopped breathing or suffered seizures and they put it all down to Jones mm. and the use of the heparin. So that apparently that Chelsea had come in for something sort of unrelated and next thing you know had this seizure and couldn't breathe and they put her in the ambulance and that doctor took the sucks vial and basically accused jones of doing it Mm -hmm. and that's when she became investigated um they think that they could have that she could have been responsible for over 60 infant and children's deaths get this right this Mm. is the kicker so besides the fact that she was killing children we don't i don't really know why like Mm. i don't besides wanting to be present to save them all hero complex Yeah. yeah In Texas, where she was jailed, if you're imprisoned between 1978 and 1988, for every day you're well behaved is a day reduction on your sentence. So she was um, imprisoned for like 99 years. Plus 60. But served at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Jones literally was on her best behaviour and never put a foot wrong in order to reduce her time served. Mm -hmm. So she was due to be released in June of 2018 and... Basically, if she didn't have any more charges put against her, she was going to go because they had no reason to keep her. So when did she go to jail? Was that roughly uh, the 90s? 78. Oh, okay. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. So a 99-year sentence is then reduced, reduced to 50 years. Yeah. And she literally... 50 years? She didn't, 40 years. 45, Fuck. 40 years, yeah. She didn't talk to anybody. She didn't. She never admitted her crime. crime. She did everything right. Like she was a model citizen. So every day she was... Well behaved was a day off her sentence, and she knew that, so she worked damn hard Jesus. to do that. But in April of 2018, she was convicted of for five more deaths. Yep. So on January the 16th this year, 2020, she pleaded guilty to the murders of an 11 month old infant, and part of her plea deal was that the other four cases were dropped, <sighs> but she only needed one. Yeah. Um, so she was charged with another life sentence Good. and won't be eligible for parole until Good. she's 87 years old. Good. Jesus. Imagine if she got out. <clears throat> like she'd never be allowed to practice again, but who would say that? But she'd still be a danger probably Yeah, she would, too. yeah, absolutely, to society. And you couldn't trust her because she obviously has the ability to be well-behaved when she wanted to be. But yeah. The motives are so interesting to me about these people. I think children as well make it even – like no wonder she got such huge sentences. Yeah. Because I don't think you'd get that as if you're an adult. If you're killing 99-year-old patients that are right next to death. Yeah, I think, like, I mean, not that their life isn't worth anything, but children, it's pretty special. Like, I just don't understand, I guess, how they go 
I'm sure that there would have been quotes and stuff from her in court about, you know, I, I love looking after children or I love, you know, they tell these elaborate stories yeah. and you don't know what's really going on in their head. And not enough research really has been done into nurses who kill because it, it probably doesn't happen all the time, but then also because I don't think people want to know about it. No. And I don't think people want to accept that there are people who are treating vulnerable patients who are taking full advantage of yeah. the access that they get to them yep. and the access that they get to drugs yep. or, you know, methods. Like, I, you know, I heard – have you ever heard of the Catholic drop? No. So this is something i never heard of in my life and it was something that is like – it's like a colloquial term for pretty much like dropping your patient onto a bed so that they like smack their head and shake their brain and kill them. Jesus. Yeah. Fucked. Fuck. And I did not know that was a thing. No. No. Tell us about your story because yours is well, pretty recent. Yeah, and, and it's Australian. Terrifying, yeah. And, you know, this one freaks me out. So I'm talking about Roger Dean. He was a nurse. He was um, 37 or something. And this was – this happened in 2011. So he's a nurse in charge on night duty. And one night he decides he's going to steal 220 Endone from people's Webster packs, right? He does that and then goes home off his shift. The next night he comes back and the nurses – and there's CCTV footage of this, which I've seen. The nurses who were on the late shift confront him and say, do you know what's happened? Because all these Webster packs are empty and all this endone oh, is so missing. he didn't just steal one night's worth. He stole like the whole Webster He stole worth. every – so there were like over 100 residents in oh, this nursing what an home. Idiot. So this you happened at Quakers one Hill. one of each. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> like person. <laughs> You know, just give them a Panadol it. instead of an Endo. <laughs> or you just take all the Websters and go, they didn't get delivered. Like, if you, like he, he's yeah, taken all these Websters ways. and left them behind. Idiot. And so they're all broken. So, yeah, this happened at Quakers Hill Nursing Home. I think it's in New South Wales somewhere. Um, yeah, not far from Sydney, I believe. And over 100 residents, so he's taken all this Endo. The next night he gets confronted and they called the police, right? Because mm, they were like, well, you do. yeah, yep. this is totally unacceptable and we've now questioned you and you're denying it so we've got to do something so they called the police the police come and this is also on the cctv footage they talk to him he shows them where everything's kept and he can't believe that it's happened like you can't hear anything but you can sort of see the cops get called away for another call he starts panicking going fuck everyone's mm. gonna find out i'm an addict everyone like i'm in so much trouble because i've stolen all this endone so he then goes to an empty room and sets fire to an empty bed. Right? Yeah, that's the answer. Then goes to another room, which has two residents in it, and sets fire to an oh, empty bed. God. Then he leaves the room, gets his bag, and then decides, oh, my gosh, there's this big fire, and then runs around helping people <coughs> to get them out. Right? Obviously, the a fire brigade gets called. They all come in. And um, he, like, saves all these residents from this fire. Eleven residents die. Oh, my God. He interviews with the media and he literally says, I tried hard to get everybody out and, you know, we just did what we could do and the smoke was so thick and rah, 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 and, like, gives this interview about how he tried so hard to get all these residents out. As they do. As they do. Then, this is where it gets (laughs) so – this is where you're like, mate, you've dug your own fucking grave, right? This idiot – Leaves, then comes back and says to the fireys, I need to get into the building. I left my endone in there. <laughs> <laughs> he went in and got the Sorry. drug registers 
Oh. Because so it turned out that he was probably just more worried about getting caught for stealing these drugs than the fire. Than actually causing this huge fire that killed people. And and I think I look at this and go, mate, you would have just been better off getting the slap on the wrist for stealing the endone than setting fire to the nursing home and killing eleven people. So he goes back, gets these drug registers, puts them in his bag, walks home and shreds them. So he's still clearly just worried about the drug like the drug um <laughs> case, right? <laughs> Because he goes, fuck, they're on to me. Like, Drugs are bad. Yeah. So then he goes back and starts like rendering assistance to all the residents. <laughs> and the cops are like, what is going on here with this guy? Like, you know, he keeps coming yeah. back. So they interviewed him that night and he confessed to everything. Oh. So what the fuck? <laughs> it's so confusing. <laughs> this guy's a pure idiot. Like his excuse for doing it, he said, oh, I just thought it would be a little blaze. Uh, right. Like a distraction. Well, but then he said, Satan told me to do it. Oh, no. So he play, pulls the the insane card, which I think he's more stupid than insane. Yeah. So he, he literally <laughs> is like, I'm just oh, so consumed by dark thoughts. That's why I wear my cross and that's why I carry a Bible with me wherever I go. You should see these videos. <laughs> we should put a link in our Instagram or the show notes because mm-hmm. – no joke, he's got this little yellow like handbag, shoulder bag, <laughs> and he's running around like pointing in the nursing home with all this smoke and he's like covering his mouth, his mouth with his hand and like running around with this little yellow handbag on helping people get out. I'm like, what the fuck's in that handbag? Endo. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, clearly he's like more worried about holding onto this bag than he is about actually helping people because how much can you really do with one hand? Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> it's just, Stop it's crazy. Roll. So, um, oh my God, that is so terrifying. And he says in his interview, so the, the police released his interview and you oh, can literally cool. see like the conversation that they have, like the, his, his um, arrest interview. And he says, I love, those, I love those patients and those residents. And he said he loves the residents but had been corrupted with evil thoughts. You won't believe it, but it was like Satan saying to me that it's the right thing to do and I try very hard to not to do that. Oh. Um, and then... He confessed to having depression and whatever. But there were some issues with him before this. And this, it seems to be a recurrent theme. Like your lady um, Jones being like sacked from a couple of places yeah. or there'd been issues yeah. prior to been her. Moved on, yeah. Yeah. With this guy, in a job that he had before his job at Quakers Hill, he stalked one of his colleagues because oh. she'd reported him because she thought that he might have been stealing something or that she just... Um, I think there was something that made her report him for suspicious behaviour. And then when he found out that she'd reported him, he started recording all the conversations that they would have. And then he even one day followed her to a cafe and had like a notepad and was writing down things she would say. It's oh. fucked, yeah. And then another time, so then after that, because I think she might have been a manager or or one of her managers who had been investigating him for stealing something or for being drug affected at work, something like that. He then was like stood down while they investigated and he vandalised her car. So like had drilled stuff into it and then covered it in paint. (laughs) And so then he was stood down. Nothing happened. Yeah, see, why don't these people ever get... They get stood down with the hope that they'll just move on and then there'll be somebody else's problem. Because then they, yeah, then... Because, I mean, the amount of work that the facility would have to put in and then oh, And the facility God. would have to have all this PR and they'd have to do it, uh, press releases and whatever. So then, just wait, it gets worse. Lives. It gets worse, right? Yeah. No, yeah. So he's had all this, like, misconduct and weird behaviour and been – oh, and that was at a mental health facility. That's what it was. Um, and then so leaves there, 
gets a job at Quakers Hill. They don't do any reference checks. No. God. They hire him to be in charge on night duty. And this is something else killers often do night duty. Because there's no management. No one to watch them and less people around. So then he works at Quakers Hill, starts stealing drugs, whatever. And then, so it gets worse from here too. So after he's been convicted, the families, so no, once the fire happens, no one from the families of the residents have been contacted. They oh, all find no. out via the media. <gasps> Right. So, and then they all come to the scene going, is my family member alive? Then the the residents who died, their belongings, whatever was left, was dropped at the front porch of the family. No one from management ever made contact with anyone in the family. I think there was one meeting between the class action and the family and they were like, the class action and the managers or the the owners of um, Oracle Aged Care, which they changed their name as well after this happened. Yeah, of course. So they're now Oracle. There was one meeting and the aged care company had said, we're fully going to support you. We understand that this was not, you know, this isn't okay. Just told them what they wanted to hear. No one from... The aged care, no, not even a representative came to the trial. Oh, my God. No one made contact with the families after it or anything. So, they're literally like, we didn't even get a card. This is everyone's worst not, fear yeah. with nursing homes, and when they, it? Yeah, because and, and one of the family members had said, putting my mum in a home was the hardest decision yeah. I've ever had to make in my entire life. Yeah. And I, I live to regret it every single day. Yeah. And that's awful. Like, so I think initially like six of them had died straight up and then more of them died in hospital mm. and some of them took weeks to die. Yeah, really, really So horrible. did he ever get charged? So he did, yep. And he got charged to um, – he got sentenced to life in prison. Thank God. Yeah. It's still um, – and it's just his indifference in his interview is bizarre. Oh, like, but they always are. They're no remorse. No. Nah. It, he didn't seem remorseful at all. No. Even though he said, oh, I love those residents. It's like, do you though? Because you've – and then they said, did you know that there were people in that second room? He said, yeah. Mm. And then he said, initially he thought it would just be a small flame, but then it got out of control. Like, you fucking set a bed on fire next to two yeah. elderly people. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah, exactly. Like, and then a coronial inquest happened into um, fire safety and aged care. Yeah. And it, it like, reformed – fire safety and aged care because there were rules that they had to have extinguishers and fire blankets but no rules about internal fire alarms or internal sprinklers mm. so the coroners made a heap of recommendations also about like the width of hallways and yeah um, doorways you know, fire plans sort of things stuff. like yeah, that yeah that's right so um that was really yeah. interesting but then they changed their name people think that it was like under a different company, but mm. it's the same company. And they have 69 nursing homes. Yeah. And then they're saying that obviously there is such a shortage of nurses in aged care that they just sort of went, well, Taking this guy's applied. Yeah, let's get in. Yeah. And that's, you know, the trouble is that y- if you're not doing proper reference checks and because if if they haven't got good references, if they can't put their current manager on their re- on their resume, there's an issue. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's... Roger yeah. Dean, you sick fuck. Psycho. He sounds like mad and bad. You know, like he and, just sounds just, like someone who, yep, you probably do have a mental illness for sure, but also maybe you're just a bad person. I just don't think he really thought it through. I don't think. <laughs> I think that's I just. <laughs> but, you know, they say that if you're insane, like to be insane, you have to not know the difference between right and wrong and you have to not understand that there will be consequences to the action. 
right? There mm. has to be no understanding of that whatsoever and no moral compass. Like for mm. you to be classified as insane to like not be fit to stand trial or to not to be like to plead insanity. Whereas I think he's just got to plead stupidity. Like initially he pleaded not guilty and then because um, he wanted it to be manslaughter, not not um, yeah. murder. Because it wasn't premeditated, I guess, in a sense. But I guess also. But then he yeah. went from one room to another. Like yeah. if it. He didn't stop. No. And he didn't attempt to put anything out either, I guess. No. And that's mm. what he said. He was just more worried about getting them out. Like I'd be more worried about just getting a fire extinguisher and putting yeah. it out and going, fuck, I set fire to a bed now. I'm really fucked. Not light it in the first place. <laughs> so he, I think just idiocy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tell us your little list of ways to identify an oh, killer. Oh, yes, I meant to do this. Okay, so I've found a really good article and I figured because when people are listening to this, they're going to go, oh, my God, what if these people are among us? How are we going to know? Because a lot of the time... These, they are among us. Well, and these killers and these people who harm patients, they don't really get found out until they've done a lot of killing. So this Catherine Ramsland, PhD, has written an article in that Psychology Today, the same article about when nurses kill um, from 2012. And she has written a list of some of the red flags when it comes to nurses who kill their patients. So it's important to investigate whether a suspect has a history of mental instability, depression or odd behaviour, especially aggression towards patients who annoy them. Mm. Which, Well, actually, one of the other um, people that... Uh, we won't talk about, but she basically killed is accused of killing 38 patients because they were annoying and she wanted to shut them up. Oh, That's wow. a direct quote. Shit. Uh, the next one is if they were given macabre nicknames by patients or others on staff, such as Death Angel or The Terminator. <laughs> so, <laughs> What did um, George get 007 on Grey's Anatomy? I do not Grey's Anatomy. Oh, oh, my God. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't believe that four doctors would help ambulate a patient. <laughs> Uh, although I watch House, which is just as far-fetched probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's just lupus. Yeah, everything's lupus <laughs> and everything. everybody gets intravenous antibiotics. Antibiotics. Um, another one is if they were seen entering rooms where unexpected deaths occur. Obvious. That one's pretty obvious, <laughs> I think. Um, if they'd often moved from one facility to another. Mm. So that's a common thing is that they can't hold a job down very long because people get suspicious so then they yeah. back away and they find something else. Yeah. If they're secretive, have persistently difficult time with personal relationships. I think that's like a sociopathy kind of thing. Like, yeah, because um, they're probably very narcissistic as well. Oh, so abs- yeah, I think that's consistent. That in through, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if they made inconsistent statements when asked about suspicious incidents, preferred shifts where fewer colleagues and supervisors were around, generally the night shifts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Watch out for these night shifters. <laughs> were associated with several incidents at different institutions. If they crave attention, mm. don't you say anything. <laughs> Complained a lot about what a burden patients were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If, uh, only, if only we didn't have patients, hey? <laughs> well, when people complain about the patients, I'm like, yeah, well, no patients, no job. So. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Kind of like working. Yeah. Kind of need patients. If they try to prevent others from checking on patients. Well, I think that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, if they were seen in areas or patient rooms where they didn't belong. Yeah. If they hung around during the immediate death investigation. So it's interesting because a lot of murders and true crime stories like you hear about, the killer is often the person who wants to help. He's the of person course. who wants to assist police. But I wonder if that's because they're, they're wanting to change the narrative of yes. like why they died. Like 
you know, if someone's investigating something, they might want to change that narrative away from they had a, you know, they shouldn't be having that seizure. There's nothing to, well, they're old and they had all, yeah, like of course they're going to want to change it around. I think it's also to to give themselves a positive, like to change the way that people see them and make sure that the cops know that um, they're a good person. Like the Madeline McCann, um, when she disappeared, there was, when they were doing the investigations, there was a man who was a, uh, UK like born and he helped police because he lived not far from the property and he mm. was like well I speak both languages so I can like um, mm. translate and whatever so he just thought he'd be a good mediator and then they literally were like he's helping too much he's too nice he must be the Suspect. the kidnapper yeah. and murderer yeah mm. so it's just um, interesting that like they they always suspect that person who yeah. tries to help and who hangs around and that you know with Roger Deaton he kept coming back yeah I know <laughs> obviously to see how far along they were at finding out <laughs> if it was him like yeah idiot um if they possess the suspect substance in their home locker or personal oh. effects there was a nurse who killed RDU pa- like dialysis patients mm-hmm. with bleach um and I mean, you can get bleach in RDU because they use it to clean the tubes or something, or they clean. Yeah, they, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. they, I don't know what they do use in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know it's either. Completely Magical foreign world to of yeah. dialysis. Of dialysis. <laughs> um, and if they'd lied about some detail of their personal information or credentials, or had falsified reports, yeah. so um, there were other reports uh, that I was reading during doing a bit of research that some people had noticed that these nurse killers had falsified obs or written notes ahead of time uh, yeah. um, saying that they were checked on at this time and that they yeah. were fine yeah. and so that's a concern obviously. Yeah. Um, if they'd been involved in other types of criminal activities or if they'd had a substance abuse problem. Mm. There's lots of people out there that have all these things and they're not killers but they, they would raise your suspicion so you should yeah. always act on that. They reckon there's about a cluster of five or more of these then uh, it's definitely worth pursuing yeah yeah Yeah. wow which five i mean five seems like a lot but if it's if one of them is like craves attention complains about patients um Mm. well it's very interesting and i think like you said at the start that um juxtaposition between what we believe a nurse is Mm. and maybe what nurses are capable of is is a terrifying because we have access to everything Mm. i mean it could be super easy yeah to kill well i was talking to a nurse last night about this and she was saying how back in the day when she started nursing like you were meant to double check stuff but she was like it didn't really happen like it wasn't something we did so strict and structured Mm. as we do now um and she's like you know people had access to pethidine if they needed it and if they had and so she yeah, she just said that it would have been really easy yeah. to get away with stealing drugs or, harm, you know, harming patients back yeah. then because the records weren't as strict, there weren't as many standards yeah. or guidelines. So I think nowadays nurse killers aren't as common yep. as they were. Yeah, because everything's so much stricter, like getting out drugs, access to drugs. Yeah, and um, like mandatory reporting to APRA and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so far. And, you know, and as I was studying this, I'm like, we could host an entire podcast about nurses who kill and just talk about, like, one case every week because yeah. it's so fascinating. It's compelling stuff. It is, yeah. I wish that we could had time to talk about more. We might do another one down the track. Yeah. I think we'll just take this moment to, like, formally acknowledge the victims of the Quakers Hill fire and any other victims from um, nursing killers and their families because it's horrific and... And it still so, happens. ...so recent and I'm sure they're still... Grieving so much feeling about that. And, and I believe there was a class action that went into yeah. like, and I don't know 
if that's still going, yeah, um, that went into like against the aged care facility itself for not um, recruiting properly and yeah. not taking enough care in you know employing people who are going to be safe yeah. practitioners. Yeah, but it's not not a good way to end. Like you don't go into a nursing home to to die so traumatically. Yeah, so absolutely. We um, yeah, just want to acknowledge that. Thanks for listening <laughs> um, to Two Humorous Nurses today. And if you learned anything today is that you should trust your gut, report any suspicious nurses immediately. Mm. And make um, sure you do it in writing. I'm just going to Do it in writing. That. And if yeah. you don't get anywhere and you're really, really sure, well, even if you're not really sure, but if you're really concerned, go to, go to APRA. Yeah, go to your health practitioner regulation agency. It. Absolutely. Mm. Coming up in episode 10... Ten episodes, well, <laughs> double digits. <laughs> we are going to be talking about something that we we're actually really excited. I'd love that our episodes are so exciting to us that we get really passionate. Yeah. <laughs> so our next episode is all about nursing when you're off duty, or being expected to be a nurse when you're off duty. Yeah. Uh, Kelly's favorite catchphrase: "Soz, I'm off duty." <laughs> I usually just say, "Fuck off! I don't feel like working tonight." I, d- I mean, look. If there was a genuine problem, I'd help oh, them. of course. Yeah, of course. I'm not just going to, like, I'm not going to be, anyway, we're going to discuss all about yep. that. We're going to talk about a bit of the legalities around Absolutely. being a nurse outside of work as well, which, um, you know, I think, I didn't know enough about that. I didn't know enough about yep. it. So, it's going to be good to discuss that yeah. on episode 10. Yep. 10. Uh, make sure you follow, subscribe, so you can get our um, updates each week when they get released um we're on spotify apple google and i just got info this morning we're on iHeartRadio. radio oh that's nice <laughs> go up. didn't know that me either <laughs> see look everybody just wants our podcast on their platform <laughs> and um if you listen like just leave us a review as well like we and if we're shit we want to know yeah give us five stars That'd be good. Yeah, you can give correct. us five stars and leave us a shit review. That's okay because no one reads it. We'd better see the stars. <laughs> uh, yep. And if you're on Spotify, uh, down the bottom on our page, there's a little notification that you can flick that little switch and get pop-ups to let you know when we've been released. When we've been released, We're releasing not us, Kelly our on podcast, the world. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, follow us on Instagram to stay up to date with the latest updates and uh, episode sneak peeks. You can find us at Two New Humorous Nurses Podcast. And email us with the topic suggestions, feedback, stories, and even just some questions you might have. Our email is humorousnurses at gmail.com. That's humorous like the bone. H-U-M-E-R-U-S. Send us an email. Bye. Bye.